1: Your name was Moses. It's a Raspberry Podcast. It's a Raspberry Podcast. It's a Raspberry Podcast.
0: Welcome back to the Ball Prospect Podcast. This is your host Ralph Lipschitz. Of course, uh, I know. I know. I said I was going to only gonna do one episode prior to Lance coming aboard and, and more or less uh, taking the reins from help. But some big news have ha- has happened here in the prospect world. Uh, probably one of the bigger stories I would say over the last ten years, if not more. Certainly one of the, a relatively unprecedented find has been levied against, or penalties been levied against the Braves. This is all stemming from all the international market, funny business that they've been doing, more or less, cheating the system in, in terms of these bonus pools and spreading money around and, and doing some, actually our guest called at this and I'll introduce him in, the, in a second. Enron style accounting. But, uh, I have Jason Woodall of Prospects 1500, Prospect Storm. You can find him at Twitter, at Jason, at the game. Jason, how's it going, buddy? Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. I know that I wanted to bring you on because you know a lot of these prospects, some of the lower minors guys uh, with the Braves pretty intimately and hoping that we could sort of go through them, go through uh, and talk a little bit about this this sort of interesting story. Very unique, and I think that you know there's a lot of people asking a lot of questions about the players, but sort of the system as well, and I thought that you had the ability to sort of share some insight on that that other people didn't necessarily have. Why don't you sort of introduce yourself and, you know, what you do, you know, on Twitter, on Prospects1500, sort of your unique angle. Uh, Let let people know who you are.
1: My name is uh, Jason Waddell. I am a writer for Prospects1500.com and my own personal blog, Prospectstorm.com. Started with Prospects1500 right around the Florida State League All-Star game. I've been going full speed since then. I cover the Florida State League for prospects, 1,500, and that website is a website that's really, it's it's a cool website because the 1,500 comes from 50 prospects from 30 teams, so if you want deep sleepers, reports, and and projections on low-level minors guys or the guys that you've never heard of, that's the place to go, so...
0: Generally, they'll come out with uh, uh, preseason, mid-season, and end-of-season top 50 rankings for each team. So it's a pretty monumental task. Scott Green over there obviously does his thing. Uh, you know, great work that Prospect 50 has done. I know that I, I kind of like that it's an open sort of approach where you have all these different writers, you know, all throughout, spread out throughout the country, covering all the different leagues on site. And it takes sort of that old-school baseball perspective you know, get actual, you know, eyes at the game, watching these players and and getting an actual read on them as opposed to, you know, just doing a lot of number scouting, which I feel has uh, gotten a little bit too popular. But we're getting off topic here. So I wanted to talk about the Braves. I wanted to talk about some of the stuff that had happened. And it looks like based on, you know, what's been levied against the Braves, sounds like there's going to be stricter enforcement of these rules. And there's, you know, quite a few players. I know a, a few that we both agree could be, you know, potentially future top 100 type talent. So, my the biggest fish, but there's a whole bunch of them that released. We're going to go through sort of team by team, but I wanted to uh, sort of get, in, you know, your synopsis and take on the sanctions against the Braves, sort of what they were doing, and, and you know, sort of your feeling on the whole situation.
1: With the international markets, I'm, I'm sure that, you know, the casual fan, you know, doesn't really know how it works, but teams are aligned or, or sign uh, bonus pool money, which they can dole out for signing bonuses for players that are under the age of 23 with less than five years of professional experience, be it in Cuba or Japan, you can exceed the allotment of that bonus pool, which most teams do. You can agree to sign a guy before they're eligible to sign and have a handshake. Deal on. There's a, been a lot of misinformation going on about what the Braves did and isn't every team doing it? I've seen this on Twitter for the past two days. Why are the Braves being punished so harshly? Every team's doing it. This is not as bad as what the Cardinals did. Why are why is MLB making an example of us and it's up to thirteen players that were that were had their contracts voided? Why have these players had their contracts voided? And why is why are the Braves facing these sanctions? So to to kind of put it in perspective, Ben Badler uh, of BaseballAmerica.com wrote a piece a couple years ago um, about the the dangers of uh, packaging prospects in order to get a big fish for lesser money. Sure. Now you might think. Why would why would a top 16-year-old international prospect sign for less money when he can get that money? But what people, I think, fail to realize is that their trainers, or in Spanish, buscon I think is how you pronounce it, they're also acting as their agents in a lot of these cases and have been with these kids for years. So it's not necessarily that John Coppola is saying to Kevin Maiton, here's what we're going to offer you. Instead, they're going through the trainers, and the trainers will say, ton will take less money if you sign players X, Y, and Z for this amount. Now, why would ton do that? It's because that's what the trainer wants him to do. Why would the trainer want to do that? Because it allows him to still get the same cut whether ton signed for $10 million or whether he signed for $5 million and then the rest of these other guys that are packaged along with them equal that $10 million that MyTon would have got. So that is illegal if you do that. Lots of teams do that. So the fans that are saying, why us, they're not wrong in that respect. The Red Sox got popped a couple years ago and, and lost three prospects. Here's where the Braves, though, went above and beyond. And this is what I want Braves fans to understand. It's not that the Braves were being singled out. It's just that they were so egregiously horrible, so shady and dirty. So what Coppolella did, without having the full details on which players were packaged with which, was that he was not only prepackaging multiple players, but was also uh, packaging players from different signing periods. Sure. Doing that allowed him and allowed the Braves in the 2015-2016 class, which was the top-rated class, it allowed him to sign Myton, Abraham Gutierrez, Junior Severino, Jeffrey Del Rosario, and Juan Contreras, who were like the big five. I think that's listed five. The big four or five. And Lebron Soto. It allowed him yeah. to sign those guys for what was considered under market value but there was also deals promised from players uh, coming in the class afterwards. And so when you kind of launder the money like that, not only with the players, but across uh, multiple years of bonus pool money, what it did was it allowed the Braves to not exceed their bonus pool and sign those guys. Then when they exceeded their bonus pool for this year's signing period, they had the guys that they wanted already signed in place, when in reality, they should have never been able to get the amount of guys that they signed in that 2015-16 class without having backdoor deals that involved 2016-2017 bonus pool money when they were in the penalty and could only spend. $300,000 on those sites. On top of that, they had had a wink-wink, handshake agreement with um, Fouasson. I think that's how you pronounce his name. P-U-A-S-O-N. I've never heard it pronounced, but he is 14 years old now. He is the top-rated international prospect in the 2019 class. And according to Gordon Blakely, who was the guy who basically sold out the Braves, and he was suspended one year. Uh, he was Coppolella's assistant guy that, that also yeah, resigned.
0: okay, exactly. <laughs>
1: they apparently had an agreement with six other players that was tied directly to their ability to sign uh, Poisson. So this is like guys signing now in order to get a guy two years from now um, with those backdoor deals with the trainers. Trainer slash agents for these players, so it was so egregious because it wasn't just, hey, sign Myton for this amount. Give this player who would not qualify for bonus pool money uh, what you would what Myton deserves. The trainer's still going to get his cut. Myton's going to sign because the trainer tells him to. The Braves get him plus other players without affecting without it affecting their bonus pool money. To do that with multiple, multiple players across multiple years is what really got them in trouble. Couple that with the fact that there's there was talk about uh, in the draft trying to get Drew Waters to sign for under-slot value, and I there was a rumor that Capuano promised to buy him a car. Yeah. Off the book. That's why they lost the 2018 third round pick. Uh, I'm not exactly sure what happened with the Korean signing with Bay, who they had just signed a couple months ago. His contract was voided, but I'm sure it had something to do with these with more of these bonus pulls. Um, and then the sanctions that were levied. Atlanta's already in the in the penalty for the 300K for next year in 2019 when they were going to sign the number one guy, Poisson, they can only spend ten thousand dollars on a free on, on an international free agent, which pretty much guarantees they're going to get nobody. And then 20, uh, 2019. That's 2019, 2020, 2021. They're also limited to 300k. So the fact that they just had 13 contracts voided, six of those guys who were high upside, highly ranked international prospects from the 15, 16 class, gone. The loss of the ability to really sign anybody of great value for the next four seasons and the loss of that twenty eighteen draft pick it's I mean it's we've never seen a penalty like that, but when Brace fans ask why us, because no other team has been caught with multiple prospects attached to, to one guy laundering money through multiple pools. Pull- multiple bonus pool years. Uh, and maybe it was you, there's also the rumor that a lot of people in the front office wanted Coppola out. Coppola was not a uh, did not have a lot of fans with other GMs. He's not a popular guy. So maybe that led to the discovery of all this. But regardless what they did and, and what was done on John Hart's watch he doesn't know anything about it, is egregious, and MLB wants to clean up the international signing period because it is so dirty and backhanded, and and there's no way for them to control it, so they really crack down his spending. Here's the thing that gets me. This announcement comes out
0: right before we, we,
1: we learn that Otani is going to be posted and is going to...
0: Yeah, I know. <laughs>
1: That's not a coincidence that Manfred is saying, if you guys try and step out of line with Otani, look what happened to the Braves. We will set your farm. Ronald Acuna, who they signed, who Frank Rent found and signed for nothing. Those guys are few and far between um, and are harder to find. It's easy to throw money at Vlad Jr., Kevin Maiton, Robert yeah. Pauson, sure, or, you know, Wander Franco. It's easy to throw money at those guys when, when you're not in the penalty, but it, the scouting department's really going to have to up their game to soften the blow from these sanctions and what Coppola and Hart is.
0: Look that name up and sort of have it on the tip of their tongue, especially if they're in an open universe, league.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's
0: P-U-A-S-O-N. Make sure you remember that name as well. But those are interesting points. And I I think that, you know, one of the other things that I wanted to mention too is I believe that some of the money was actually funneled through trainers through free agents that were over 23 years old or older. So they, you know, they weren't subject to the, the amateur J-2 rules more or less and were considered just more or less, you know, free agents. And I, I know that some money was moved through those guys. I think we'll see some of those names come out as well in more detail. So it's it's pretty interesting what's happened. And obviously, you know, for the penalty to be this substantial, there was a lot more going on than just, you know, sort of money being shared through trainers, et cetera, et cetera. Is what happened with the Red Sox. A lot of backhand and dirty stuff. And I think it's the nature of the beast. I know what happens here. In the United States, especially with sort of AAU basketball and the sneaker money, and we saw some of that stuff coming out in the colleges, not all that different, but it's it's tenfold because there is no sort of governing body behind a lot of these international camps and training camps these kids are in, you know, when they're 12, 13, 14, 15 years old, whether it's Venezuela or the Dominican Republic, Cuba, wherever it might be, and it's just not regulated. The same. These guys are trying to get paid, you know, more or less to – it's a prospect farm. So I think we've we've done pretty well in, in sort of covering what the, the issues are there. Let's sort of move on and look forward to the different players that are available. Some of these names that could be signing with uh, some of our favorite teams or just you know, names that might be worth taking a look at if they might be available in deeper dynasty leagues where, you know, some of these guys might be available in your first year player draft. Probably uh, worth taking a look at. I know you've seen a lot of these guys firsthand. I figured we would go through, you know, Maiton first, Severino, Gutierrez, Soto, uh, Pena, Bill Rosario.
1: I really like Maiton. I mean, he is the guy that everyone knows about. You know, you get on Twitter and it's his picture attached to every one of these sure. columns. From what I saw from him, he had a hamstring injury earlier in the season. Joined the Gulf Coast League uh, Braves a little late. Did not make the debut when, when the team made the debut. He's a big kid for 17.
0: Sure. Big,
1: lower half. And I heard some scouts kind of have soured on him a little bit after seeing his exposure to pro ball. Partly because a lot of them felt like he came to Campbell a little out of shape. A lot of them looked at his size and thought, no way he sticks in shortstop. I think the consensus that most scouts gave him when he was an amateur was Miguel Cabrera, And Miguel Cabrera came up as a shortstop and just completely grew out of that position. Maiton will do the same thing. There's no way this guy plays shortstop in the mid But that doesn't mean that the bat doesn't play. And as a switch hitter, with that sort of size at 17, he's, he's going to be an exciting guy to watch. Uh, I think he's more of a third baseman coming up, similar to what Marlins did with Miguel Cabrera, but To me, he looked a little slow. The bat speed wasn't quite there. You know, just going with what the scouts, you know, what the scouts have said about him, free signing, I can see see the tools there. I can see why he was the number one guy. But if you take the names off the back of the jerseys and we're just looking at kids playing ball without knowing any sort of context on them, the guy that I was most impressed with on that entire team, including Drew Waters, their, their second round pick, was yeah. Junior Severino. Every time I saw him play, he barreled every ball. From, and much like, and like my Todd, he's a middle infield middle infielder switch hitter which popped from both sides of the plate. Quick, quick stroke, especially from the left side. Everything he hit sounded like a shotgun going off his bat. I did write up a piece on him with some video of the couple times that I saw him. Uh, but he was, to me, the best player that I saw on that, on that Braves team, including time But I preface that with saying Myton was in a lot of shape coming off that hamstring.
0: What we were sold, we didn't expect a bad body as quickly as it sort of come. You know, the bat has been a knot. Not as polished as, as first expected. And I think so much was expected of this kid. And he's so young. I mean, effectively, when you saw him, he was a high school junior playing professional yeah. baseball. And I think it's it, we have to sort of keep that in mind when it comes to judging this kid. You know, Miguel Sano was sort of the last really, really hyped international prospect. That was, you know, one of these sixteen-year-olds, not 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 a not a, a or an Abreu, or one of these Cubans who comes over and they're already sort of a, a you know college age or older player. But this is, you know, a true international free agent and uh it'll be interesting to see where he signs. I know the Otani thing is sort of weighing in heavily so so I think you know where where the pieces fall with these guys. Sort of going through the bonus pool stuff I just wanted to mention Rangers and Yankees have the most money. Rangers have a little bit more money than the Yankees by about uh thirty five thousand dollars but both have uh, effectively three point five million dollars. Twins have about three million. Pirates have about two point two million Giants have some money, but they're, they're capped at 300000 per player. Same with the Royals, Cardinals, and Braves. Uh, the Marlins and Mariners are up there as well in terms of their bonus pool. So those are teams that could factor in here. I don't know if the Marlins, you know, with this new uh, uh organization, you know, new front office, if they'll be more aggressive in the international market. Maybe they'll sign some of these guys, you know, especially with them being, you know, even being Latin players. Maybe there's a chance they can get them down to Miami. We'll see. I think it's going to be interesting to see where the, the chips sort of fall. And I, and I really think that Otani's is probably going to have a huge influence on where Mike Tahn ends up signing.
1: Otani is going to be subject to who has the most a Well, not the most, but because he's going to go. Money's not an issue to him. He's going to go where he wants to go. Whether some team gives him a $100,000 signing bonus for the Rangers, give him the entire $3.5 He's going to go where he wants to go, where he's going to feel most comfortable. Here's the kicker with these with these Braves players: MLB is allowing teams to use the 2018-2019 bonus pool money to sign them. So teams that do that have spent the bulk of their bonus pool money, or do not, and, and have not gone into the penalty for next year, can't use next year's bonus pool money to sign these guys. So it really opens up. Uh, essentially 20 to 25 teams. The other kicker is, Myton does not have to give back that $4.2 million the Braves game. He gets to keep that. And if the Yankees lose out on Otani, and they want to give him their 3.5 for this year, then he gets that on top of his, uh, to $5 million,
0: then that's probably where Maitan could go. To we'll see. A lot of stuff could turn up. It'll be interesting. And it's funny that it could really hang the majority of the offseason all the way into May for a lot of these kids. So that'll be interesting to watch as well. But I do want to go through a few of these players. You touched on Maiton. I wanted to go into Severino. I think he's a really interesting prospect and one that's probably readily available in a lot of dynasties doesn't have a lot of name value at this moment, but I think that can really jump, especially with the way the middle infield is, outside of sort of the top-tier prospect. So why don't you talk to me about some of the things you really like from the offensive standpoint of Severino and, you know, ultimately the sort of player you see him becoming. Uh, so
1: he's switch hitter. Uh, he's got a good frame, and I think he's 6'1", 6'2", and he's going to grow. He has the type of frame that will allow him to put on some weight, does not have the quickness in the field, foot speed quickness, that a guy like Levon Soto has. And at this point, I'd say probably even my time. But he has a nice quick stroke from both sides of the plate. He doesn't get cheated, but at the same point in time, I never saw him chase out of the zone. Line drives all over the field. Uh, Even his singles, sound like shots off the bat. And to me, watching teenagers play, especially with wooden bats, that was the most impressive thing with Severino. Every every ball he barreled sounded like a shotgun punch. I do think that his future is probably gonna be third base, based on his based on his kind of his his quickness in the field and his arm. But his bats gonna play, and I, I'm a big believer in him. I think that he will end up being Wherever he goes, I think he will end up being a top 100 prospect at MLB or Baseball America or even prospect 1,500, probably by the time he's 20, 21. Cool. If he hasn't already made the big leagues by that big time. But I, I would never put that sort of, like, rush on any of these 16-year-olds that they'd be in the big leagues by 21. But it's not out of the ordinary because cool. we've seen it with Nomar and Tor and a bunch of other guys. But I do think that he has top 100 talent
0: by the time he he reaches the Rangers. The other guy I want to go into, and I know that the Braves actually had a few really nice catching prospects in the organization at the moment, but uh, Abraham Gutierrez. Do you get any uh, sort of first hand looks at Gutierrez at all? And if so, what are your thoughts on him?
1: This guy is enormous. I think he's, just off the top of my head, 6'3, well over 200 pounds. Well, I don't want to say well over. Six three two hundred. he's
0: solid. Big and guy.
1: big catcher. This guy has a has a cannon, sixty to seventy degree sixty to seventy grade arm minimum. He was hosing base runners left and right in the Gulf Coast Good bat that can add power. I don't know how much of a sort of on base guy he's going to be at this point. It's really hard to project that. But I do think that he is going to be a power hitting catcher that can eliminate a run game. So if he hits 230 and he shuts down a run game and gives you 20 home runs, he's already extremely valuable. And I do think, much like Severino in three to four years, he's going
0: to be on top 100 prospect. Regardless of him maybe not being a big walk guy, he didn't strike out a lot. and He did flash some power, which you know is always you know pretty good to see from one of these really young players. The other player I wanted to go into, and you you know these guys much better than I do. You know, we're talking some pretty you know low minors miners guys here. But I wanted you to go in on LeVon Soto a little bit. I know you mentioned his this in the field. So what sort of a hitter is he, and, and sort of what did you see from Soto when you when watched him? Uh, Soto, he's he's uh, he's a smaller guy. He's
1: more of a glove-first guy. When I saw him, though, he was raking. He hit everything when I saw him. And this was when my time was out, before he'd come back from the hamstring injury. But real, real smooth with the glove. Good range both sides, good arm. Makes the routine play, which is what I want out of my shortstop first class.
0: Nice. All right. Yeah. So uh, I don't, and there's a couple of shortstops here in this class, uh, you know, in terms of guys that were released. Another one being Yancy Pena. And uh, I was sort of interested. Now, have you seen Pena play as well? No,
1: Pena actually was was one of those guys that was pretty highly rated that never came inside. Okay. So I can only go off I can only go off his Dominican summer league numbers and you know Ben Battler's scouting report. So really, no need to rehash that. I know that a lot of brace uh, brace guys that cover the GCL. That I kind of trust their opinions on it. We're pretty shocked that he did not get the state-side debut the way that all these other teenagers got. But uh, I mean, time yeah. will
0: tell. And I know he was relatively hyped at the time. Let's see. Well, let's go into a couple of right-handed pitchers here. Then one I wanted to bring up that I know that I you know when I wrote up the Braves system a couple of weeks ago, and, and it's funny every time I go through all 30 systems in the off season, and and I feel like the first two or three systems I go through. There's always something I have to go back and correct. Same thing happened with the Braves here. Really exciting, you know, right-handed pitcher. I mean, I don't know if he's a, a, a front-of-the-rotation arm, but another name that's sort of not as hyped up as some of the other players. You know, there's obviously a dozen great arms plus in this Braves system. And that being uh, Jeffrey uh, Yefri, me, Yefri Del Rosario. Yeah, I got to see him throw three innings. He's th- He throws hard, which a lot of
1: these guys do. Real lanky guy. Got a nice fluid delivery. Needs to iron out his mechanics a little bit. Fastball, tend, he was tending to leave it over the plate, and, and some of the GCL guys with a little bit more experience, you know, because a lot of these guys are, are college or high school hitters, you know, from the, yeah. from the uh, draft, squared him up. But he, he's able, he was able to keep the ball down when he needed to keep the ball down. And get ground ball outs and double plays when he needed to. I think when I saw him, he had runners on base. You know, the first two or two innings at least, and uh, was always able. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I like him. I think he's going to yes. be, I mean, I think it's interesting to follow these young pitchers. Yeah, I feel like it's easier to to kind of project some of these hitters. Pitchers are so mercurial, and, and you know, especially at such a young age, trying to harness their strikes and, and harness their cross-speed pitches. But he does have the tools to be a, a, a useful prospect and, and somebody that I think dynasty
0: owners, you should look at it, um, especially if you can get in a deep league where you can stash a lot of these guys. Definitely. Yeah, I was going to ask, between Del Rosario, uh, I think it's uh, Z- 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 Zuniga? Is that how he's say? it? I yeah, Guillermo Z- Zuniga, and then Juan yeah. Contreras. Did you see all three of those guys? And the three, sort of, how do you rank them? You know, is Del Rosario sort of the, the, the the class of the three. I know I know Contreras had some hype, but it seemed like the numbers have been better in the scouting reports I've read. You know, Del Rosario is the best of the, of, of the trio.
1: Del Rosario probably is right now the best of the trio. Um, Suningo might be long-term the best because he's a big, big dude. I didn't get to see him pitch, um, but uh, Steve Gavarez from Baseball Perspectives uh, had a pretty good write-up on him. Size and his fastball. I don't want to penalize, you know, younger, you know, smaller, lankier guys. I don't want to be that guy, you know, because Pedro, right? Pedro Martinez and and Maddox, you know. But Zenigo probably has the more projectable frame. Ultimately, between these three, get them if you can. They all have electric stuff, really live arms, and it's just going to come down to which kid can stay healthy. Which kid can command the zone? Which kid can harness his off-speed stuff? And that's going to has a chance to crack a rotation in the big leagues versus, you know, never making it or ending up in a bullpen. They all three from really hard.
0: Yeah, interesting. And I at this point, gone over more or less everybody that was any interest, I think, from this class. I don't know if, you know, is there anybody you feel I'm missing? I know Antonio Sucre was the other guy I had on my list, but uh, I wasn't aware of a few of the other names that have come out since. Anyone else you feel we should yeah. be aware of, or could, you know, potentially be a, a big name that was uh, part of this, this I guess, class or group? that At this point, it's,
1: it's, it's, it's we're, probably, we're probably reaching, you know, but the, the big names are the Maiton, Severino, Don Rosario, Contreras, Zanino, Soto, two years, I think two years. Yeah, but those are the. I think that's seven. Those are the guys I think in a dynasty league. If you can get them stash them, grab them and stash them. I happen to be in two pretty deep dynasty leagues, and those guys were gone when we did our own July second international signings. Those guys have all been gobbled up. In in all of my leagues, but if you're in a league that allows you to stash younger guys, Maiton and Severino and Gutierrez, at this point for me, if you're in a league where, say, you're capped in 50 minor leaguers, those would probably be the three that I would add and I would wait on the pitchers unless unless you're grasping for straws and you don't know who to pick them. But if you're capped anywhere from, from 20 to 50 minor leaguers, those three I would definitely target. If you, if you have unlimited or, you know, 100 to 240, like I'm in one league, and get to 240 minor leaguers, I would go after the pitchers as well. Definitely go after those pitchers as well, just because of the upside. If I'm, if I'm only able to stash 50 minor league guys, I want to
0: much risk with these international free agents. There's even more risk with pitchers in general. Even with American college pitchers, there's still a great deal of risk in terms of the max reaching their ceiling. Injuries, all the other stuff that they deal with you know in, 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 over the course of their development. I always lean toward hitters. And certainly in this class, I think the three big names here being Maiton, Severino, and Gutierrez, happen to be the hitters. Del Rosario is also an interesting guy. But I, I think all these guys are probably pretty interesting in 30-team leagues. As you said, if you have 20-plus minor leaguers that are owned, you know, once you get into sort of those deep, deep formats, you're going to be sitting on kids for three or four years, especially because players like this, these international free agents, you saw with a clue in this year, they really gained value almost overnight. Do you know anything about Hwan Bae? I know he's a Korean talent they had signed only a few months ago. I don't know much about Bay at all other than he has sort of an 80-grade name and uh, great for puns. I know Twitter's making a ton of jokes already with the Bay last name jokes. I know he's a shortstop from, Korea, from South Korea. Did you have any insight to him at all? Have you heard any sort of scouting reports or tidbits? I
1: haven't seen him. He was in the instructional leagues, and uh, I never got a chance to to get out to Orlando for, for Atlanta's instructional from some of the Braves fans on Twitter that, that I trust that were at Instructs, you know, they didn't really come back with anything yay or nay on this guy. He's, he's Korean, so he's a little bit more mature. Just if, if when they sign him a little bit older than some of these uh, some of these prospects that we've already talked about. So we might have a, a quicker path than some of those
0: guys. But I haven't seen him, so I can't necessarily say one way or the other, other than the fact that he does have an 80-grade name. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But uh, anyway, hey, I want to I want to thank you for joining us here today. I know it was on short notice. I wanted to get some information out for people. Uh, I had a bunch of requests, getting some insight. I thought you were the right guy to talk to you considering you had seen, you know, at least 70% of the players uh, that were in question here, you know, amongst that group of players that was released. Want uh once again introduce yourself. Let the people know where they can find you on Twitter, etc., etc.
1: Jason Waddell, writer at prospects1500.com. You can find me on Twitter at Jason at the Game. I cover Florida State League primarily, but I like to take a lot of video. I got a lot of video on Vlad Jr. and Bo Bichette. This
0: Signing off here. This is Ralph Lipschitz of Rasball.com, the new host of the Prospect Podcast. Other help is gone. You can find me on Twitter at ProspectJesus. And uh, as always, thanks for joining us. Until next week.